living the truth in love, may we grow in every way into him who is the head, Christ. This video in our series on the Christian life of virtue is dedicated to offering an introductory account of charity that animates the entire Christian life. At the end of his great hymn to love, St. Paul affirms that faith, hope, and love, these three remain, but the greatest of these is love. This love remains because it is a gift from God, as Paul affirms elsewhere. The love of God has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who is given to us. With this love, we are called to love God and neighbor as the summation of the entire Christian life, of the Old and New Testament, of the Law and the Prophets, as Christ himself says in the Gospel of Matthew. These are the two great commandments. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. The whole law and the prophets depend on these commandments, these two commandments. But what is love? Concretely, what does it mean to love God or to love our neighbor? Thomas Aquinas describes the theological virtue of charity as, quote, a certain friendship of man for God. Caritas amicitia quedam est, hominis ad deum. We find biblical support for this brief definition of charity in the words of the Lord in John's Gospel, I no longer call you servants, because a servant does not know what his master is doing. I have called you friends, because I have told you everything I have heard from my Father. To understand what it means to describe the theological virtue of charity as a type of friendship with God, we must first look at Aquinas' general understanding of love. We speak of love in many ways. We speak of a person's love for God, or of a man's love for a woman, a romantic form of love, or a mother's love for her child. But we also speak of a person's love for a fine wine or a good meal. Do these different uses of love share anything in common? For Aquinas, he discerns that what they all share in common is the notion of love as principle, the principle of all that we do. We speak of a man, his single-minded pursuit of pleasure. It is his love of pleasure that animates all that he does. Or we talk of another person, a man organizing his whole life around his love for his wife and his children. Now, these two contrasting ways of being animated by love point to a distinction that Aquinas makes at the outset, the distinction between love in the passions or love in the emotional life and love that is proper to the spiritual appetite of the will. Let's first look at the emotion of love, and let's use, again, the humble example of the family dog, because dogs, like other higher animals, horses, monkeys, they also have an emotional life. If you go into the kitchen and you put out a bowl of marbles and a bowl of dog food, the dog will go towards the bowl of dog food. 
and will eat the dog food. Now, why is that? What is the source of the different attitudes? Aquinas will say that there is a principle in the dog that is a, an affinity for the food. There is a connaturalitas. There is something connatural between the dog and that form of nourishment. That connaturality or conveniencia or complacencia, which is impossible to translate into English, is what Aquinas describes as the, the principle of the emotion of love. When the object is absent, but maybe the dog can see it from afar, there's a desire for that sensate good. And when the dog food is present, the dog has the pleasure of eating uh, the dog food. Now, if that's true for the emotional life of a dog, it's also in an analogous way true for the emotional life of humans. Humans do not desire to eat Brussels sprouts or take pleasure in eating them unless there is already some type of an affinity, a pleasant affective affinity for that uh, type of vegetable. If you don't have a complacency, if you don't take pleasure in uh, eating Brussels sprouts, you will not desire them and you won't take pleasure in eating them. So that initial principle in our affectivity is the emotion of love. Now Aquinas will hold that there's something analogously present in the spiritual appetite of the will, but with two added features. First, we choose the objects of our love in the will. That is why Aquinas will say that the proper Latin word for love in the will is dilexio, which presupposes an antecedent choice, elexio. This is a staggering insight because it means while we may not be able to control whether we love Brussels sprouts, uh, that may be a feature of our genetics or our upbringing, how they were served to us growing up, we can choose to place anything we want in the affectivity of our will. So there may be a person in our family for whom we feel no emotional affection, for whom there is no response of emotional love. But we can freely choose to place that person in the spiritual appetite of our will. And therefore, that person becomes the principle of our actions with regard to those events of our life that touch that person. And so we choose whom we love. We choose whom we place in our spiritual affections. Secondly, the desire proper to the will has an added feature. It has a twofold object. We desire some good for someone. And so the act proper to the will's love is not simply reducible to desire or pleasure, but it, in its essence, it's willing some good to someone. To ourself, we may will a cup of coffee, and there's therefore the desire for the good of coffee, but we desire it for someone. Spiritual love in the will always has its ultimate rest in a person for whom we desire good. If the good is absent, we desire that good for the person. If the good is present, we celebrate, affirm, and take joy in the presence of that loved object. And so, love in the will, to will good to another. And when the good we will is to God who lacks nothing, we are simply celebrating the good that's there. We find that in the scriptures, in the Psalms, throughout the call to celebrate our God. 
That's to love God, to affirm God. And then loving neighbor, to will the good for our neighbor, that they be, they exist, that they thrive, they flourish, and ultimately they come to know and love God and be with us forever in heaven. Now, this complexity of the psychology of love, uh, we've already foreshadowed how that might then help us understand why charity can be described as friendship with God. Now, Aquinas' understanding of friendship, he draws from Aristotle, and he draws it to describe friendship in the following terms. Friendship is based on a communion of life, some form of communion of life, a koinonia, as Aristotle will say, or communicatio vitae in the Latin, uh, that moves us to will and do the good of our friend from a union of affections. Now, this communion of life may be something fairly superficial, like stamp collecting or collecting matchbooks, but in that shared activity, we, with our friends, together pursue that good. On a deeper level, it could be uh, the good of the city-state and the virtues uh, that we promote to promote the good of the common good of the city-state. And our friends share with us this koinonia of promoting the common good. But Aquinas wants to say that something like that exists in our love for God. Aristotle affirmed that Friendship with God was impossible because no communion of life was possible between humans and God because the distance was too great. Aquinas counters by saying, because of the gift of grace, God makes possible what couldn't be possible on our own. Because of the communicatio vitae that grace affords, as Paul describes using Aristotle's term of koinonia, grace establishes a koinonia be, uh, between us and God. We start to become by adoption what the Son is by nature, adopted sons and daughters of the Father. And in that, a friendship with God is possible, whereby we love God in willing his good, that is, celebrating his good, but also willing the things that he wills for us, promoting the good of our neighbor, even of our enemies. We start to participate in the activities of God. And this is the great mystery of the cross. Because if we are friends of God, we will be drawn into the mission of the Son and Spirit. Uh, the way we came to know love was that he laid down his life for us so that we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. God showed his love to us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. That's the school of charity in which we are called to live. And so we can affirm as our prayer that we are called to live the truth in love, live the truth of the Father's mercy in love, that we may grow in every way into him who is the head, Christ. 